You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, I, th- I think those guys just first and foremost really love playing football. I mean, I think that they they didn't want it to end. You know, I didn't want it to end. We, it, it comes to an end. I mean, eventually, but um, none of us none of us really wanted that thing to end. Um, especially kind of the the way the season went. It was kind of weird and. We lost some games before the season even started, and then we lost the game, you know, in the middle of the season. And I don't think they wanted their last go around to end like that. Especially, I think that they saw, you know, there, there's obviously some some things we need to correct on the field, you know. Especially, there, there's a few things that we can directly correlate to us becoming a really, really good defense. You know, they they saw that they played really good at times and there was things that led to them you know not playing as well as they thought they could have and I think that they feel like they can get those things corrected in the offseason and they have a chance to to be a special group next year and we're back here on the Husker Online show that was defensive coordinator Eric Chenander talking about his defense that will come back with 17 of their top 20 players in terms of snaps played this segment of the Husker Online show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill located on 30th and Yankee Hill. I can promise you there's not a more hopping place right now in terms of sports bars in town than Tanner's. I've been in there multiple times. It is the premier place right now. No one wants to get out of the neighborhood. I was just talking to a downtown bar owner. He goes, yeah, you, you want to be in a neighborhood bar right now because no one wants to drive downtown. They want to stay in the neighborhood. And Tanner's is a great place with all new furniture, all new TVs, great food, great wings. Get on into 30th and Yankee Hill Watch the action this weekend. The Senior Bowl's on, plenty of college basketball. Then, obviously, the big game next week with the Chiefs um, and the Buccaneers. I'm a Chiefs fan. Go Chiefs. Uh, Tanner Sports Bar. But, Robin, you heard Eric Chenander talk about the end of the season, and he said it without saying it. They wanted to play a bowl game. I mean, I, I think we all knew that, and that group in general wanted to play a bowl game. And, you know, what's astounding to me or interesting to me are all the guys that are no longer in Lincoln – for the most part, and I have people that have told me this, are the guys that did not want to play that bowl game. And, you know, Wandell didn't want to play. Diedrich obviously had his tape. He was done. McCaffrey wasn't going to play in that game. Farniak was going on to the pro, did not want to play. I mean, you go down the line, Cade Warner, I know for a fact, was a loud voice about not playing. And that will forever be something that will be talked about about Scott Frost, no matter what happens here. Just the way that team splintered on the decision to play in a bowl game. And that was a coach in Shenander that you could tell wanted to play in that bowl game. Yeah. I mean, it basically just confirms how big that divide was in the locker room. And it's crazy that it could be even almost broken up by a side of the ball, but I guarantee you there's some, some players on offense that wanted to play, but they just didn't have uh, loud enough voices like the guys that were opposed to it uh, that they did. I mean, when you have, captain and you know one of the faces of your program and uh you know those your your top running back and, and those types of guys that don't want to play it's it's hard for you know someone it else. puts younger player i mean exactly. you're, you're not going to speak out against kurt warner's son yeah, who's I mean, a captain those guys are your I mean, leaders again i mean but they but what you didn't know at that time is they had a foot out the door exactly and so they, they had they, their own self-interest they had their own agenda and plan that playing in a bowl game was not a part of that and you feel for these younger guys that wanted that experience and did not get it. You feel for the defensive guys like Ben Stilley who really wanted to play in that bowl game. Mm-hmm. And Ben wasn't a captain, but he's a loud voice in that team and a leader and a respected guy. So, yeah, I'll be curious just how the team comes out. But a lot of the guys that led the charge not to play aren't even in Lincoln anymore. Yeah, and so, I mean, 
obviously it's impossible to spin it to where the losses of Wandale Robinson, Luke McCaffrey aren't blows. We're not going to try to do that. It's a blow. Yeah. But what you can say is, I mean, when it comes down to getting this team together and unified on the same page and uh, closing that divide, uh, maybe that's what's something that needed to happen. So now you have, uh, in theory, uh, a, gr- a team with leadership that is all on the same page, where everyone is that all those loud voices are going to be saying the same things, and you're not going to have you know the, this kind of fracture that clearly was there uh, <laughs> at the end of the year and, and probably got progressively worse as the season went on. So you know they're going to obviously have some work to do to make up the production and just the the roles that those guys provided, but. Maybe long-term, big picture, this, this could be a situation of addition by subtraction by uh, just being able to have more of a, a unified voice within the locker room. Yeah, and this team will learn a lot about it with a full winter, with a full spring, mm-hmm. things that they didn't get last year. So lots to talk about. Uh, other news, Robin, uh, around the Big Ten Conference on Wednesday, Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern's head coach, pretty much signed a retirement deal. No um, kidding. At least, a, a li- I mean, in so many ways, a lifetime contract at Northwestern, they, they still don't mean anything. If the Bears came calling, he could still go to the Bears. Yeah. Um, but it, it is interesting that they've locked him up. And, I mean, I think everybody agrees that's the right move. Um, but, yeah, well, it's, it's hard to imagine. We'll be coaching Pat Fitzgerald till we're about 50. Yeah. So he's been here 16, been there 16 years, and he just signed a 10-year deal through 2030. So, <laughs> If you want to feel old, think about uh, where where we'll all be when Pat Fitzgerald's deal finally runs up. Yeah, he he'll have 26 years there, and to put it in perspective, Tom Osborne is a head coach for 25 years. That's crazy. I mean, that just doesn't happen. I mean, obviously Kirk, Kirk, Kirk Ferentz is one of them, but uh, really, you look around the landscape. Dabo's one of the older coaches now, exactly. and he's been there since 08 as a as a head coach, and he started as an interim. But you think about who else has been at the same place that long? Nobody in the Pac-12. Mm-mm. Nobody in the Big 12. Matt Campbell's like push. I mean, he, he's I mean, actually. Saban, he's been there for a long yeah, time. Yeah, Saban's been there since 07. Dabo's been there since 08. And then after that, I mean, there's not a lot of people that have been places a lot longer. Yeah. And so, I mean, just kind of speaks to uh, the differences where, you know, whatever Northwestern's been doing, that's uh, more than good enough for them. And they've got, you know, their identity and that identity is not going to go anywhere. And with Northwestern, we'll be Northwestern for at least another decade. How about Tennessee? Uh, You know, Danny White, the former Scott Mm -hmm. Frost athletic director, takes the job there and then he hires his coach, Josh Heupel, a uh, former Aberdeen, South Dakota native, uh, Oklahoma Sooner quarterback to go with him there. And, you know, what's funny is Danny White put in a really expensive buyout clause after he lost Scott Frost to make sure, like, his coach would cost a lot of money to leave. Well, he now has to pay UCF Tennessee's money with that buyout clause. It was funny, like, reading – so I, I still follow, like, some Central Florida media from, like, back when Frost was getting courted. Uh, and the reaction from them was, like, you know, they were almost, like, glad to see Hypo. People didn't leave. like Hypo. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously – uh, they did not replicate anything close to what Scott Frost was able to do with that program, but you know it seemed like there was a lot more to it. So I'm, you know, you knew Tennessee was going to do something crazy, uh, and obviously this uh, I, I haven't followed too much what their response has been, but from from afar seems like it's uh, it's going well in Knoxville. Today. Well, they 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 obviously called a lot of people. I mean, I think Fickle got a call. James Franklin. But who wants that job yeah. with all the baggage that comes well, they're with gonna, it? Well, they're going to get put on probation. Yeah. James Franklin got a call. Fickle, the 
offensive coordinator Clemson. Is it Tony Elliott? I believe got a call. I mean, so there, there were names that they reached out to. Uh, PJ Fleck, and you know it's it's tough. I mean, why would you leave knowing the odds are really against you? Well, I mean, obviously you're dealing with that to be before you even sign the contract. But then uh, you know the expectations at Tennessee. I mean, they're a lot like Nebraska in a way. Where Except they're just getting in trouble now for cheating. Exactly. And, and I mean, as far as like expectations and you know that job is becoming a revolving door, and there's so many people with way too big of a voice and as far as the hirings and, and firings, and I would want no part of that. That's probably the most instable job in college football. Well, right and honestly, if not for the political protection at Nebraska, I mean, you could say the same about Nebraska, but everyone talks about Frost. But let me tell you this, ask you these questions. Nobody in the leadership circle of Nebraska that matters between a president, a chancellor, an AD, or a regent has spoken out ever against Scott Frost. Mm-hmm. And until until somebody does or there's somebody in a position, like Frost is fine. And But there's nobody right now that's ever spoken out against him. Where at Tennessee, you couldn't say that. I mean, there, yeah. there, there were people in leadership roles. Oh, yeah. And Frost has a built-in protection model around him. Now, that could change very quickly. Um, and, you know, a sudden retirement from Bill Moose that we weren't expecting, all of a sudden that tells you something's going on down the road if it's not working here. But there's there would have to be a leadership speak out by somebody to really let you know, like, a, a sudden change could be happening at Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, four or five straight losing seasons suddenly probably changes right. that and, narrative a little bit. But uh, when was the last time? I mean, you're probably going back to Osborne the last time you had that much unification behind a head coach there was a point where under Bo, it started out that way yeah when tom was here because tom came back he bailed out harvey and you know saved that situation and then got Bo here and that you know 2008 2009 yeah yeah. it turned in 2010 though when harvey perlman called eric olson of the associated press and spoke out against polini about the a&m incident he called him. That was like he actually called him back and gave him those comments. He want the university wanted to put Bo on notice that what you did at A and M was unacceptable, and you are on the clock. And then Osborne was forced to retire, um, you know, pretty quickly. I mean, yeah, and I think that's what a lot of these clickbait national articles that say is Frost on the hot seat and that stuff. I mean, obviously. They have, not, they have not lived up to expectations, anyone's expectations. Scott Frost's own expectations, but he has the full, unwavering support of, every, like you said, everyone that matters, and that is the only thing that matters. You can speculate all you want uh, until that tenor changes and comments, you know, like what, what Harvey did or whatever, uh, start to come out. There's no reason to believe that he is in any jeopardy right now. But, again, you got to start winning at some point, and, you know, especially going into year four, uh, there needs to be some tangible success that this or uh, evidence that this thing is going in the right direction. Well, and I think it needs to be so obvious one way or the other. It can't be like 50-50. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to be like, okay, this is working, or five, six years from now, it's going to be so obvious, like, guys, this is not I mean, and, and that's – it's hard to do, but that that's the reality of how it's going to happen yeah. here. And Nebraska just can't be a Tennessee where you're firing a coach every two to three years, you know, constantly looking for the next best thing. You got to give something time to prove whether or not it's actually going to work. Especially with the portal. I mean, exactly. Your roster will empty out in open. And then you're set back years. Exactly. So, I mean, I think Nebraska's doing about it the right way. But, again, things things need to start improving here going forward. All right. When we come back, uh, we'll continue this discussion. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. 